I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers, thank you for joining us in the Walk in My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice, to create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but I'm more interested in her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is a special one. So make sure that you subscribe since you're already here. Today we have Pamela Bellotto. She's a mother, military wife, founder, and CEO of Women Who Do Wonders International, an exclusive community membership platform built by women to unite, support, and amplify the power of female entrepreneurs, mission-driven community leaders, and philanthropists working to improve the lives of women and children around the world. She's also the founder and executive director of Mission Wonder Women Foundation, a nonprofit organization providing mental health, self-care, wellness resources, uh, workshops for women and children, survivors of trafficking, and underserved communities. She's a Wonder Woman herself, so please welcome to the show, Pamela. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Makini. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and, you know, share your story with us. You know, you and I both sat on a panel, uh, you know, earlier last year, and I thought I definitely need to have you on the show. You're doing some amazing things. And I just wanted my community and my network to know more about you so that they can fall in love with the work that you do as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I was so excited when you reached out. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So I love to start the show with a bit of an icebreaker question. So before we get to, you know, where you are presently and and what you've gone through, I'd love to learn a little bit more about Pamela in her early days. So typically, I like to ask, you know, what did you want to be when you're a little girl, you know, before society started to unintentionally put limits on our beliefs of what's possible. So I'd love to know what you wanted to be as a little girl and what you were like as a teenager. Oh boy. (laughs) That's a doozy. So um, born and raised East Canada. I was born in Moncton, New Brunswick, and uh, I was born with a cleft lip. So um, I always tell people that that molded me uh, more than anything. Um, I think in the community and the schools that I went to in Moncton, I don't remember anybody else um, having a cleft around me. So I grew up um, always wondering, you know, why me? Why, why, why was I the only one that looked like this or I had this? Um, but I'll tell you that because I think back and I'm like, I, I bounced from so many different activities when I was young. I was into sports. I wanted to do drama. I tried out for all of the student council 
positions, um, you know, vice president, president. And then I wanted to do ballet. And then I did jazz dancing for years. And then in like a flip of a switch, I started telling my parents that I wanted to be a pilot. Um, and so I joined the air cadets and then I did that for a couple of years. And, uh, and then from there, I really transitioned into heavy sports. Um, there were no female boxers on the east uh, side of Canada, well, in Moncton, New Brunswick area anyway. And uh, I told my dad, who was um, in uh, sort of an assistant coach at one of the clubs, and and I told him, I said, I, I want to box. I want to, I want, that's what I want to do. I want to try boxing. And so that was grade 10, I believe, at that time. And he's like, you can't box. There's no other girls. And there's no place for you to you know, to change and to do. And I said, it doesn't matter. I said, I'll go in the crummy bathroom and, you know, I'll make it work. I'll change in there and I'll just train. And then that evolved into me actually starting to practice against the guys. And then I started to actually compete um, against uh, other girls from other provinces. So I became the first uh, female boxer on, uh, in from New Brunswick, from Moncton. And uh, that really molded me into believing, you know, I can do just about anything I put my mind to. But I tried so many things. I had my hands in all of the all the things then. Wow. <laughs> so you are a real life Wonder Woman. <laughs> well, <laughs> I just tried. I wanted to try all the things because I really didn't know what I wanted to be. Um, I don't know who knows at that time. Maybe a dancer, a pilot, and wrestler, boxer. I just I didn't know, but I tried it, and I tried lots of things. And then you know, it's all about self discovery. So it's always a blessing when you see kids who are out there trying all these different things because you need to discover that you know. Uh, like there's so many things, even in just, you know, you talking about your early years, there's so many lessons I heard within that. You know, you, you talked about where you grew up in Moncton, not seeing any other kids that have a cleft palate. You said you were born with a cleft palate. So you even going through that and learning to, I guess, I want to say find your own, but to also deal with whatever, you know, kids can be cruel. So whatever could have mm -hmm. came with that and then being able to, you know, push through and explore and wanting to get into boxing and, you know, your dad saying, you know, this is, you know, back then, I'm sure I'm going to say the vocabulary probably wasn't as kind as it is today to say <laughs> that this is no place for girls, but you pushed through that and became the first female boxer. And so like you started out resilient. I did. I did. And I, I honest to goodness, I say as much as it hurt um, as a little girl, you know, when the kids would mock me or, you know, ask me what happened to your face or, you know, those things. And I, I didn't know how to respond. I didn't, nobody knew what a cleft lip was. So if I said, you know, a cleft lip, they're going to say, well, what's that? And then you got to explain it. And, you know, so it's, so I used to shrink down and um, allow that to, to affect me. But um, yeah, I just, I think I used all of those other tools, all those other sports and all those things to kind of escape from that. And, uh, and it built me up it built that built me up. So um, yeah, so it was, it, it was bad then. I remember feeling the feelings I had then. And I think that makes me, what makes me a very sympathetic person today. Mm -hmm. um, but, and you don't have to go through something like that to be sympathetic. That's what makes me um, very sympathetic towards people. And, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it just, uh, I would never take it back for the world. So it's, uh, it's made me who I am today. So I love it. So 
tell us how did you get to where you are today? Like, you know, tell us how you came up, like where the inspiration for Women Who Do Wonders came from, you know, how you got into doing all the philanthropy work that you do now. Absolutely. So, I mean, when I finished high school, I was, I didn't know what I wanted to do still. And um, so I took a year off and I moved away. I moved to Halifax. So I had moved away with some friends. And of course, we had fun for that year. (laughs) And then, um, and then I decided uh, that I wanted to, I wanted to tap into making people feel beautiful. And that's a big difference from some of the things that I was doing, you know, a year or year two before that. Um, but that that really stemmed from I wanted to make women feel beautiful every day because I I had gone for my first facial, I think at like I think I was 18 or 19 years old. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is like this is heaven. I mean, this is back in 19, this would have it's gonna age me. So back in 98, I believe it was. Um so I did that. And then I was like, oh my goodness, I can, I can make people feel beautiful. So that's the career path I chose and went to school for that. I had met, I call him then uh, my Prince Charming. And, um, you know, I moved, we, we lived together in Halifax and then we made a huge shift and I got a working permit, which back then it was a lot easier. I got a working permit to go and uh, live and work in the UK Um, so that was my first kind of taste of going international and living, working, breathing, and being immersed into another culture or another country. And, um, so I did that, uh, found amazing jobs there while I was there. And then at, you know, the tender age of 22, I decided to elope. So, um, my, uh, ex-husband and I eloped and, um, he was uh, Muslim and, and I was Christian. And I went and eloped in a mosque in the middle of London, um, covered my hair. I didn't, I was very, <laughs> I don't know. I think back and I was like, I, it was like a dream, you know, I went through that, but um, went there, said my vows in a language I didn't know, um, but I loved him so much. And, um, and literally a couple of weeks after that, we, packed up and I moved to Kuwait. So I was this wow. young, young girl from Moncton, New Brunswick, um, you know, l- just living life, very naive, just happy to be traveling and going around. And then all of a sudden now I'm married and I am moving, I'm moving to the Middle East. So yeah, so I moved to the Middle East and I got pregnant about six months after I arrived there. And um, that was uh, a huge beginning for me. So um, it's my, my life takes a lot of shifts. So um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, that was Kuwait was, it was a huge, huge transition for me. I can imagine. Let's go back to the 1998. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that year, cause that's the year I had my first daughter. <laughs> so 24 years ago. You know, you said at that point you wanted to make people feel beautiful. Yes. And I feel like oftentimes our pain births our purpose. You know, the the things that we are passionate about, that we want to do, that we um, seek to find solutions for as adults stem from either a childhood pain point or, you know, something that we didn't have. When you speak about, you know, kids being cruel back then because you had the cleft palate. And then as you got older, you know, you wanted to make people 
feel beautiful. I would love to hear more about how that affected you because, you know, shortly after around those times, I went to school for aesthetics and spa management. And from a, a, say a mental uh, standpoint, it was a form of therapy for the clients as well as myself in terms of how they felt about their self-esteem. You know, sometimes people look at beauty as a superficial thing, but it also affects people's confidence and how they show up in the world. So I would love to first get into that part. And then I'm going to totally, because I'm a lover of love, then we'll get into the story of of you and your husband. Yes. So I'll say ex-husband. He's my ex-husband now, but yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. I mean, when I went to aesthetic school, um, that just like what you said, it was really, um, I felt like it was a form of therapy. I never felt like I was working. I loved my job. I loved going to work every day. Um, and then being able to get a visa and go to another country and do that job in another country and, you know, work with different nationalities and different, you know, techniques. And, you know, I was building myself up there as well. And, um, but to be honest, I mean, even though I'm not doing aesthetics today, that too was a huge, um, you know, that that's molded me to into what I'm doing today as well. Um, you know, to be able to talk to these incredible women, and sometimes I'd have men too, but primarily I was working with women every single day and um, I loved it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I would love to know, you know, sometimes when we move countries, like, okay, so let's let's talk about change. Change in general is uncomfortable for most people. You know, it, it can be messy in the middle until you adjust. And then once you find your footing, it's it's beautiful and rewarding. Um, so small change can be hard for people. And in your story, you know, you talk about moving from, you know, one part of Canada to another part of Canada to moving to Kuwait, and you're now in the US. I would love to know how that has I'm going to say shaped your mindset or, or shifted your beliefs. Obviously, when we travel to different places in the world, I find the traveling opens up your mind, you know, to new experiences, mm-hmm. new thought processes. We're more open-minded when you, um, you know, travel and experience life from different cultures, races, backgrounds. Oh, it shaped everything about <laughs> who I am today. 100%. I am so grateful for the travels that I've had for the places I've lived, for the people I've been around, for the ex- even though some of the experience experiences uh, were not ideal and uh, I wouldn't wish them on anybody, um, I also don't regret those because um, I really am a super strong person and uh, very resilient, very, however, very empathetic. And that's all, that's my life. That's, I think, my 40, 44 years of just constant shifts. And um, I mean, I ended up living in Kuwait for 10 years. I actually moved there right before 9-11. And I remember sitting on my bed, watching 9-11 happen on my bed in Kuwait and thinking, I didn't even know what I was thinking then. Like, what is happening? You know, what is happening in this world where I don't know what's going to happen? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to what's happening? You know, so um, that was a huge um, had a huge impact on me. And I ended up 
still staying there. That was uh, the beginning of my years. And then 2003, let's fast forward, uh, 2003 happened. That's when uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom broke out and they had evacuated Kuwait, um, told all the foreigners to leave the country uh, because Saddam Hussein had chemical weapons and was threatening Kuwait. And um, I didn't leave. So when I look back and think, okay, I was, yeah, I was a little bit naive and, you know, but the reason I didn't leave is because my ex-husband didn't leave. His mom was there. Um, He was previously married before me. My stepkids were there. So in my head, my son was born at that time. In my head, I was like, I can't go back to Canada. I can't take my son and go back to Canada and watch everybody from afar. I just, I can't do it. And uh, so I stayed and I contacted the Canadian embassy and told them, I'm still here. You know, I'm still here. This is where I live. And I don't know what's happening. And do where are the gas masks? Do we have gas masks? And, you know, I was like, I first time I ever had panic attacks was during that time. Mm-hmm. And anyway, they never had any. And they told us, you know, take a wet cloth, make it wet, put baking soda on it and put it over our faces. If a bomb hits, we had to make a bomb shelter in the house and stock the bathtub and Every time the sirens would go off, which means the missile was um, intercepted or shot over before it was intercepted, um, we'd hear the sirens because we lived next to the city. And I'd have to get my son up. He was only a year old at the time. And we'd have to lock ourselves in the bathroom, which we made. That's what our shelter was and seal it and listen to this little radio until they told us it was okay to come out. Um, So that was another huge shift and a huge um, moment in my life where definitely that, that definitely made me resilient and a a Mm. strong person. And um, yeah. And then, you know, years went by after that and I continued to work there and build myself up. I was able to travel all through Europe. I came and studied here in the States for a while. I did my, my mediclinical so I could work with plastic surgeons and dermatologists. So I was always wanting to be better Mm. and, uh, and then I started making my own skincare products in my kitchen in Kuwait. So I did that research and traveled to Germany and learned about, you know, uh, ingredients and manufacturing. And uh, so it's, I've always had that itch to what can I do now? What can I do better? You know, mm-hmm. what can I learn today? So, and I'm still like that. I'm 44 and I'm still learning, you know, and I'm still trying to develop new things and create something. Um, but I love creating something from scratch. That's my my thing. So I I hear like in your story, you know, you've had to do well between having to do and choosing to do a lot of exploring, transitioning, pivoting. How do you stay motivated? That's a good question. (laughs) And I don't I don't always stay motivated. That's the thing. Um, And I love how we are now starting to talk more about mental health and mm-hmm. mental wellness. Um, because I know when I think back, what I didn't know then was all the feelings that I was having and the self-doubts that I sometimes had. Um, those all were, you know, really me trying to figure out my own mental wellness. And I didn't, there wasn't a word for it. And I didn't know what it was. And, um, but I'm, I'm so grateful that we're now talking a lot more about that because I'm not always motivated and I now know how to pinpoint when I'm not feeling motivated and then my mental health is kind of on decline and what I need to do to make that 
transition, make that shift, shift my mindset so that it's like, oh, okay, Pam, what are you doing? You know, just go out and I'll do my things that make me, uh, my tools that make me feel better. And then I'm okay. And mm-hmm. uh, so what are some of the tools that you use? Like, what are some of the things that you do when you're not feeling your greatest? Yeah. And it's the simplest thing. It's really the simplest thing. Um, I did rediscovered being an athlete in my forties, when I turned 40, um, this is, I'm going to fast forward too, because I'm now divorced. I divorced in 2010. Um, I'm now remarried, uh, but I lost myself for so many years during my time in Kuwait. When I left Kuwait, went back to Canada with my kids. I have two kids. Um, when I then left my uh, ex-husband and I lost myself, I gained so much weight. Um, even though, I still had, I created businesses because I also created a business in Canada when I had gone, originally I'd gone back after my divorce. I, I was not okay. And uh, I knew I needed to make a change. So I am now a military wife. So there's another huge shift. So I'm now Mm -hmm. a military wife. Um, My husband, uh, he deployed for the first time after we, we were married in 2018. And when he deployed, I looked at myself in the mirror one day, I was 40 and I was like, and as an esthetician, you know, your skin, you know, you, you know, your body, you know, and I was looking at myself and I could feel my skin changing and that's okay, but I could feel it changing. I could feel my body not feeling the same. And, um, I just, it was like an instant shift. And I was like, no way. I said, I am, I am going to beat this. I'm going to change my body. The day that he left on his deployment, it's like I deployed myself to the gym. You know, (laughs) I started working out. I was working out twice a day, completely like 100% changed my diet, stopped sugar, increased my water by like 800%. Um, You know, just made this massive, massive shift. And I competed in um, a bodybuilding competition. I said wow. I was not. <laughs> well, let's I know go that back. Commitments. <laughs> you know, I never wore a bikini during those years living in Kuwait too. So um, there were things in my marriage that it was, uh, you know, sometimes a little bit abusive. Um, you know, and just uh, not being able to do some things that I wanted to do um, as a twenty-year-old. And uh, but I'll tell you, I at forty, I said I don't care. I am going to buy the most sparkliest, prettiest bikini. I'm going to push my body to the max and I'm going to stand on a stage proud, loud and proud and do a bodybuilding competition. And I did it. I flew to to Arizona and I did it. I was by myself and I got up on that stage and I won in five months. Wow. Congrats. And I mean, I was overweight. I've had two C-sections. I've got, I call them my tiger stripes, my stretch marks all the way up my hips. And I was like, you know, it's okay. I have a scar where I, years ago, I had a belly button ring and I said, I don't care. I said, I'm going to stand up there so proud. And, uh, and I did, and I won. So that was my, I felt like, oh my God, I can do, I really can do anything. Mm -hmm. And that's been my medicine. I love working out. I love taking care of myself. Um, I feel better today than I did in my thirties by far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just shaking my head because I I have a a friend of mine who also, 
you know, decided to do a huge transformation to her body. And I watched her had a front row seat watching her transform her body for the bikini competition. And, you know, just like you dealing with, you know, cause she's a, I think she's a mom of um, losing count now, I think four or five, four, um, <laughs> um, you know, and, and transforming your body and the dedication that that takes and the commitment to yourself that that takes. So, you know, hats off to you on that for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what is, what is your, your daily self-care routine look like? Um, I'm human, so it's not always the same. <laughs> but I, um, for the most part, you know, I get up, I stretch. Um, that's really important. I always have a really big, tall glass of water in the morning before I do anything. Coffee is my joy. So I have coffee. Um, I completely eliminated sugar. So I, you know, put a little stevia in there. Um, I don't drink dairy or anything. So I use almond milks. Um, so I have that routine. I've, I've been eating the same breakfast, which this might be like ewy for a lot of people. But, um, this is good for me. And this is what I, I have been doing since um, I started doing the fitness. But I have, you know, plain oatmeal and I put uh, protein powder in it in the morning. So it's pasty and <laughs> kind of not the, the most satisfying, but mm-hmm. I'm so used to it now. And, but I know what is fueling my body. So now it's my mindset is I'm not just eating to eat. I'm eating mm-hmm. to fuel. And yeah. so I get up, I have that routine um, and it ne- that never fails. So I love my routine. And then depending on what work day I have, I might work out in the morning, I might work out at night, but I try to make sure that I work out every single day. And, uh, and then of course, keep my water up because it's hydrating your body is hydrating your brain. So um, just small things. It's just the small things, but those small things um, make a huge difference. Agreed. The small things and doing them consistently. You Mm -hmm. know, when you, you spoke about, you know, what you have for the same thing for breakfast every day, you know, some people don't realize one, the lack of having to make that choice, you relieve your, you know, your mind from the stress of trying to figure out, you know, what you're you're going to eat every day. There are some people that basically have a uniform for the week, so they don't have to worry about what they're going to wear or, you know, that repetition. I believe it's, is it Bill Gates? I can't remember, but there's a, a lot of... Um, Steve Jobs always wore yes. the same thing. Right. Was mm-hmm. it the, the blue, the the Black Yes. Even Les Brown has his, you know, uniform that that he wears for speaking engagements and stuff. Um, so that consistency of it, where it's on autopilot, your brain doesn't need to think about it. So I totally, totally understand that. I would love to know, like, what inspired you to start and create Women Who Do Wonders. That's a good question too. So back, so I moved to the United States in 2016. Um, Matt and I met on the Kuwait seaside in 2015. I was working for, um, I had gone back to Kuwait, by the way. So I, I lived in Canada after my divorce. Um, I did go back to Kuwait because my two older boys uh, went to live with their dad and uh, I didn't want to be away from them. So I sold everything, closed my store down, sold everything, moved back with a few suitcases. And and that again, you know, started over, made that shift again. I was lucky because I had a great relationship with my past employer. They brought me back. Um, had a great job. Had a small apartment in the middle of Kuwait City, um, but met Matt on the Kuwait seaside. He's a, a pilot in the Air Force, and um, we fell in love. And then 2016, I'm here. So I move here, and uh, now it's. 
I'm a military wife. So if you think about it, I went from being somebody married on the other side of war and living through a war and building a shelter to now being married to somebody that flies. And he was literally flying there um, all the time to Kuwait um, for missions. So I went, you know, from one, a woman on one side of war to a woman on the other side of war. So again, there's my, there's the buildup of Mm -hmm. understanding women and where that empathy comes into play. So I um, tried to figure out what am I going to do here in the United States? And I did attempt to start working back into skincare and seeing what I could do here in the U.S. Um, And I did that for a very little while. I actually won um, uh, Esthetician of the Year um, the first year that I moved here. And I was on the cover of Skin Deep magazine. So that was a huge uh, success, but it quite literally was about two months after I won that award, I hung up my license and I said, I'm done. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Mm -hmm. I did this for a long time. It's time for me to to move on and do something different. So um, I started doing events for women of the military. I felt that there was a a need at that time in 2018 for wellness. And I started making these events for uh, wellness and speakers and entrepreneurship. And they were so successful and people, the women used to leave like so happy and so fulfilled. And um, it was amazing. I, I felt so good doing these events. So COVID then happened in 2020. So then I was like, oh boy, you know, I can't do events now. What am I going to do? Um, so I had hosted my first virtual event and um, that was a huge success because I had about 800 women from all over the world um, attend this virtual event. I had, I opened with Miss America. I had the first female fighter pilot. I had um, the first uh, female a uh, woman who coached in the NFL, Jen Welter. I had I had brought in the most extraordinary women. And a lot of these were international. Some were from here, but a lot of them were firsts. And I loved that. I love hearing I'm a first. This, You know, you're leading the path. You're paving the path for another woman. Um, so after that event, I was like, oh, my goodness. I know what I'm supposed to do because this feels incredible. And I have this fire burning under me (laughs) to do something Mm -hmm. about what I just created. And um, so then I created my magazine because I wanted a a platform to be able to share these women's stories more regularly. So I launched uh, my magazine, which was called Wellness and Wisdom at that time. And, um, And then at the end of 2020, I said, you know what, I'm going to create Women Who Do Wonders, the platform, and I'm going to take the amazing connections that I have all over the world and do something with that and share the stories of women who use their amazing platforms for the greater good. Um, and it's evolving. Um, we're still, even this year, it's it's changed a little bit and it's evolved. Um, but last year, I was a I was a force. Last year, I said, I am going to get these stories. I mean, I had only launched, I think, five magazines. um, And I thought, I got to get these stories in front of people. How can I get them in front of people? I went to the Emmys. I went to the Oscars. And I put them, I had a beautiful table. It was like pre, pre-party or whatever it was where they, the celebrities and producers come for gifts and things like that. So I was there and I was meeting producers and sharing and saying, you have to read these women's stories. And so I, that was passion. I, I felt like mm-hmm. this is what I really need to do. And that's where Women Who Do Wonders is now evolving. I want to be a space where 
if you are an incredible woman, and doesn't matter what you are, if you're an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, an athlete, if you're using your platform for the greater good, I want to help you. And I want to help you get in front of people. And I'm still trying to get in front of people. But I'll tell you, I don't know what it is. Um, I have the ability to to do that. So um, and I'm still doing it. I'm still learning just like every other entrepreneur, but I'm a fighter. So I'm going to keep pushing to make sure that I get women who do wonders in front of everybody so that I can have a platform where these women can shine. So that's where I am now. Wow. You definitely are a fighter, like <laughs> from, <laughs> from the moment you came out, but like, there's so many points in your, your story that you know, I'm, I'm like, I want to unpack, but I'm like, oh, we're going to have to like do a part two or something another time. <laughs> um, and, and this is the beauty for me, I find in doing these interviews and having this, this podcast is like, I truly believe that our stories as women are more alike than they are different. And yes. I love hearing the stories of different women from different backgrounds and different experiences. And it's like, no matter where a woman lives or what her upbringing was like, there are parts within her story that we can all resonate with. Mm-hmm. And you're talking and I'm listening. And th- it was like every part of your story, there was a check that, that was going off in my brain. Like, yep, same. Yep. Same. same. <laughs> so I was totally resonating with all the parts of your story. And I, I love, like I said, I love your resilience. And I love that you know, when you decided to start, you know, Women Who Do Wonders, it was about supporting military wives, like creating this community, creating this network. But I love how the core messaging of amplifying the voices of women and sharing their stories. And maybe that's probably what speaks to me the most, because that's what I I presently do. But it's like, you know, every part of your story, like my ex-husband is Muslim as well. (laughs) Um, You know, my current partner's name is Matt as well. Wow, okay. I was an esthetician in the past as well. (laughs) I'm like, okay, Pamela, I hear you. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. I love it. I totally love it. So before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online and to learn more about you and what you do. Absolutely. So um, we're actually getting ready to do um, a little bit of a revamp and a rebuild of uh, Women Who Do Wonders, but you can still go on uh, womenwhodowonders.org and at least um, join for free. Right now, it's completely free to be a member of Women Who Do Wonders as we continue to to build out um, because I'm building partnerships around the world with a lot of amazing uh, organizations and uh, media companies so that I can get these stories out there. So you want to be get in there be a part of it um so that we when we officially launch big big um you want to be uh definitely want to be a part of that um but you can find me on instagram i'm um, pamela underscore underscore bilotto and you can also follow at women who do wonders and i'm also very active on linkedin so you can look me up on linkedin awesome so i'll definitely have all of the links in the detailed section of the episode so they can just click and connect with you directly they don't have to search too far Awesome. Thank you so much. What a wonderful conversation. Thank you. So So for the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. It's almost like a rapid fire. You can answer one word, one sentence. Sometimes I may ask you to unpack because I don't really like rules. Um, But (laughs) you let me know when you're ready. Okay. I'm not ready for this, but go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? It would be my logo that says women who do wonders because it's clear and it has a hand holding this beautiful pink globe with rose gold on it because those are my favorite colors. Love it. Love it. How has motherhood changed you? It has made me a very patient woman. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Oh, that's, that's a really hard one, McKinney. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say the Bible. Mm. Yeah. What's the worst advice you've ever received? These aren't, these aren't rapid fire. These are like, <laughs> um, the worst advice I've ever received is don't go to Mount Everest. Mm. And I did it anyway. Love it. What's the best advice you've ever received? Travel. Mm. Uh, what new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Habit is the ex- definitely the, the exercising nutrition and increasing my water. Water is like liquid gold. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you cried? Yesterday. Mm. When was the last time you apologized to someone? Probably last week to my husband. Sometimes mm-hmm. when I get my period, I get very, you know, yeah. so <laughs> I, I, I apologize for those days. <laughs> <laughs> totally get it. Okay, last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? I wish women would do more of believing in themselves and knowing they're capable of anything they put their mind to. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much, Pamela, for sharing your stories with us, sharing your your life with us. Um, you know, I, I I love, like I said, I love the the similarities in our our stories, but I just, I know that the women that are listening will gain so much value from your experience. So thank you for sharing your time and energy with us. Well, I really appreciate you having me. I'm always grateful for another woman giving space to women to allow them to share their stories. So I'm grateful for you. Likewise, likewise. And to all of you legacy leavers out there until next time, subscribe on all platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple podcast. We would love to hear your aha moments from Pamela's story. What resonated with you? What was your takeaway? Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Pamela at Pamela underscore Bellotto, or you can tag at women who do wonders, or you can tag myself at the real McKinney Smith. And I just want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help the show rank globally in the top 1.5% most popular shows out of over 2.8 million podcasts. Thank you. Thank you once again, and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. 